Welcome to Subculture. This is a podcast about the many unique, varied, and sometimes little-known groups that people find themselves relating to in our society. In today's world, everything runs on culture. Who you are, what you believe in, what you think about yourself, and the way we relate to the world is all defined by the choices we make and the people we choose to spend time with. How do we decide where we belong? Have you ever thought about changing who you are? Have you ever thought about joining a club, a group, a gang, or a clique? What makes us who we are? What makes us decide where to fit in? That's what this podcast will explore. Every week, I will interview an individual from a different subculture and try to get at the thing that makes them tick. This week, we will discuss the world of bodybuilding and gym culture, and my guest today is my friend and favorite gym bro, Jason Feudal. Jason, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Hey, Chris. That was a good. That was a good uh, introduction, man. <laughs> right like on. The, man. Uh, yeah, I like the subculture spiel. That was really good. I like it. I yeah. like it. How are you doing? I'm really good, man. Thanks for uh, taking some time to come on here and talk to us about uh, the world of bodybuilding and gym culture which I think a lot of people are really interested in. Yeah, it's. Um, I think a lot of people are really interested in it as well uh, now, probably more than ever. I would say part of that is because of, or a big reason of that is because of social media um, and, and also because there are so many different, uh, I think when you get into the competitive world of what used to be just bodybuilding, there's so many different variations of that now that has really made a lot of it popular and accessible to different people that don't just want to be some hulking giant that uh, walks out there on stage. There's a lot of different variations of that now. Yeah, right on. Before we get going too far, I'd like you to just say your name, your age, where you're from, and where do you live? So my name is Jason Feudum. My God, I'm 52 years old. (laughs) I'm originally from a little town called St. Clairsville, Ohio. I've lived the majority of all of my life in Charleston, South Carolina after college. Um, I finished grad school here. And um, I think that covers your questions, right? Yeah, it does. I think I know the answer to this, but you have a degree in fitness or something along those lines? Yeah, I have a degree in exercise physiology, uh, master's. And um, I also have like a minor, believe it or not, in uh, like theological studies, uh, world religions, things like that. Yeah, right on. Yeah, I've talked yeah. to you a lot in the gym over the years, so I know yeah. that about you and uh, you, you have a lot of interesting thoughts about the world. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is kind of like a subculture in itself as well. Yeah, definitely it is. What? Uh, what? So just tell me this, what got you into bodybuilding? Um, I, I, I really kind of remember the first time that I ever was, uh, my father and I liked to watch those old sword and sandal movies with like Steve Reeves. And I just remember being pretty small. Maybe I was maybe like nine or 10. Right. And my father seemed to be like really impressed with Steve Reeves physique. And, and, uh, I kind of didn't know what I was looking at, uh, until there was like, I think, what was it cbs wide world of sports or whatever it was on yeah had a bodybuilding show on at one time and my father and i were watching it again i was maybe 10 or 11 and i was like whoa that is amazing that is just amazing and i think that that's possibly when my first interest in that started to come from i had no idea how you got like that or uh but i just know that it, it was very different than anything i'd ever seen at the lake or the pool so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, I remember, I guess, you know, you and I are close to the same age. And I remember, like, from my ear, you know, from my childhood, like Arnold Schwarzenegger was a huge. Yeah, he was definitely. a huge star, man. Like he was in like, oh, movies and like all this stuff. And he was like this huge guy, you know, him and sure. uh, yeah, Lou Ferrigno, you know, the two Ferrigno. guys I remember the most. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. definitely. They were really popular because of like movies and whatever they were in. Well, I think they kind of, yeah, they brought a lot of that stuff to the forefront. I think, uh, especially I would say Lou Ferrigno did because 
his program was televised each week with the Incredible Hulk. And I think that really brought out a lot of that, that kind of a uh, little bit of an off season physique. Now that we know what we're looking at to the, to the, you know, your television set. Yeah. Right on. Now, now you have some bodybuilding titles. Am I, am I right? Yes. Uh, some, some, some pretty big wins in North and South Carolina. Um, what, what were uh, they? What were the titles that you got? You so I, I won a first place in Metrolina, which was a, I don't think they have the contest anymore, but it was in, it was in Charlotte. Great contest. Um, I won um, first place in the state contest for South Carolina, uh, the super heavyweight division. And uh, I think some different ones at Paris Island. And, and, and uh, I won first place a number of times at um, uh, the Excalibur contest, which was Satilli Theater. Um, yeah, I've got yeah, quite, quite a few. So how do you go from being a scrawny 10-year-old kid watching uh, bodybuilding on TV with your dad to winning, oh. uh, winning the first place in the Mr. South, as Mr. South well, Carolina? There, there, was a little, there was a little road to cover from, from that to that, from A to B. But, you know, it was a little bit of a journey. And, and um, looking back on it, I, I don't think I'd change anything. It was uh, definitely, like you said, kind of getting into that culture and uh, – being around it and immersed in it kind of is a big part of my own identity. Of course, it's not, I think sometimes that ends up being some people's only identity, but it's, it's always been part of my identity and uh, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't change it. I, I really liked it and I continue to really like to work out even though I don't compete anymore. Yeah. The, but the world of bodybuilders is a, is definitely its own little, little subculture world. Right. Oh, it's, it's, it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely bizarre. Um, yeah, there's, yeah. you know, there's, there's an underbelly to everything. I'm sure there is the NASCAR and everything else, but you know, again, with yeah. the advent of podcasts and things, you know, everybody's got a, a personal take on that. I, I definitely do. It's, it's kind of interesting. What, um, so when did you, when did you start, when did you start down that road? Like I'm going to work out and I'm going to, when did you get into the gym? Like what got you into the gym? So what got me into the gym was I played, um, I played, uh, ice hockey, um, in, in a formal league from the time I was a little kid, maybe like, I don't know, maybe four or five, they start you if you're, if you're able to get in that early. And, uh, I, uh, my brother and I started very, very early and, um, I would say when I was in junior high, I also played, uh, football. And then when I got into high school, like my freshman year, not only did I play hockey football, I also ran track where I did some, some sprint work and, um, I didn't really care for that, but I, I did know this, that I had lost a lot of like some chubby, chubby like little boy weight uh when i was like a teenage or a preteen, uh i started running like cross country a little bit but that was just on my own and i realized when i got a little more competitive about 14 maybe 15 years old that having kind of more of a runner's build was not working for me in contact sports so i had I a friend who was pretty adept at, uh, in the gym and we worked out a little bit but i also realized that you know these, these guys, these guys that were my age, I didn't, I knew that they didn't know. And so I then set out to work out at gyms that were kind of holes in the wall. And what I would call those gyms now looking back that I didn't know at the time was these were like harbingers for bodybuilding. That's what I was attracted to these places with like little drippy pipes and yeah. And like all the huge dudes in the area worked out there. There was right. a gym that was in another state that I would take my father's truck. I, I told him the truth that I was going there. Can I please go there? Oh, and wow. uh, it was in South Wheeling, West Virginia. And um, it was hardcore, hardcore. And I would go there just to be able to work out for an hour. I'd almost drive, I don't know, 40 minutes to be able to work out for one hour at these places. So, I was really attracted to, I knew that high school didn't know and I yeah. knew that I was getting more serious and I had to know. And so I started being attracted as strange as it sounds, but like to men that obviously knew 
because I knew the boys I was hanging out with didn't know. Yeah, so that's so, what I was going to ask you. When you're hanging around in these gyms where it's just a bunch of like big dudes working out, which is kind of like, you know, like where I met you, you know, we work out yeah. in gyms like that now around here. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, you know, there is like a whole, there is a whole little community inside of one of those gyms. Did you find yourself sure. like fitting in in there? Well, I, I had kind of a, um, I had kind of a traumatic experience at first. Um, mostly what I would do is I'd kind of just sit back and watch or I, I was way too intimidated by these guys to ask them anything, to ask them for a spot. I'm like, they don't have time for me. I just got to kind of like watch what they're doing and see what they talk about and uh, uh, see what kind of movements that they do. And, and I think, you know, when you're 16, I, I don't even know that I was – knew what critical thinking was or, but I just was kind of like, would, would, would just observe, uh, don't talk nearly as much as I run my mouth now. But, um, I remember one time I didn't put my weights back at this place and I went to walk out the door and the guy literally like raged out on me. And I felt (laughs) like I had disappointed them so much and lost any not that I had any credit. What, I had did none. the guy like nothing. call you out and be like, re-rack oh, your he, <laughs> he called me out and he saw how overboard he went and he yeah. saw how shaken up it had made me. And I know <laughs> that he had felt bad because he knew he had like totally wigged out on me. And mm-hmm. uh, then he kind of like started to be nice to me and kind of take me under his wing a little bit. But these dudes were like, they were they were incredibly well built for that time. Even looking back right. as an adult, they were you know incredibly you know big scary looking um, dudes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they, were, they were in shape too, though. They were in yeah. shape, and right. so what I, what ended up happening was I met a really good trainer who's trained a lot of pro guys. Um, one in particular, and I won't mention his name, but um, he he's he's pretty well known. Um, and he worked at a place called the Racket Club that I was uh, I was um, a member of. Just to have a gym membership in those days was a big deal, man. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, like an yeah. extra cost for my my folks, and sure. that was like a big deal. And uh, I remember people were like, "Oh, your gym's sixty bucks or a hundred bucks." I was like, "Man, my gym membership was eighteen dollars in those days." And my, my, my parents were like, you better keep your grades up or you're not going to the gym. But right. <laughs> yeah. So I just remember he took me under his wing and what, what he saw one year when I came to visit my mother in South Carolina uh-huh. was I met a very good friend of mine now, Glenn Herring here in Charleston. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they put me in this contest that they thought I was ready to imp- like an impromptu non-sanctioned contest. Uh-huh. They threw a 17 year old kid in put wow. some protein on him up at this club Xanadu in North Charleston. It was <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I was so scared. Um, but you know, it, it, you, you kind of start to garner some attention from people and yeah. I, I don't know if it's all the best kind, but, uh, you know, it was fun. And, and, and I, and I know that these older guys kind of maybe either respected me cause I was either gullible or stupid enough to do it, or they just thought, you know, took some gusto to do that. I'm glad you followed through with it. And the difference was when I first came here, I probably talked a lot in the gym. And I remember that that fall when I went home, I no longer spoke in the gym. I trained really hard, maybe for 45 minutes. And I didn't say too much. I just kept going through a routine that I had. And the guy that was the professional trainer back at home, he noticed that. And he said, man, you really have matured into training instead of jerking around all the time. And um, part of it, I think, was just about being in the gym when I was younger. Uh, And then, of course, as you mature a little bit, you realize it's not healthy to hang out in here, get in here, get your work done, because you want this to be, you know, you've, you've got to if you want this to kind of last or have a future and you've got to get some work done, then get out of there. So you don't want to really want to use it as a hangout. I bet you always re-racked your weights after that. Yeah. I, 
<laughs> I did. But one thing I definitely knew was if, if, you know, that whole, that whole virtue signaling thing with paying it forward. The one thing I do really try to make sure that I, I do now is I don't want to be that guy that like yelled at me that time. So I always take time, no matter who it is right um, with a person who says, I don't know how to do this. I, I always try to make sure that regardless of their um, regardless of their uh, feelings of me from a distance, who they think I am, as opposed to who I kind of show them who I am, I will always ask them, hey, can I, can I help you with that? Or can I show you a better way to do that? You, you got to be really careful doing that now because there's a lot of people that I think sometimes as you get older, they're like, I don't I didn't ask for your help. But I think, you know, as long all you can do is really kind of offer Especially if yeah. you see somebody doing something that's really, really uh, not correct, and you you know they either want to uh, save themselves some time or or, or they don't. I think it's great when they take your advice, but if they don't, I understand <laughs> sure. that too. For sure, I, I can yeah. vouch for what you're saying too because I've spent a lot of time in gyms with you over the years, and I've seen you do that. You do. Some people want it. Friendly some people advice. It's okay. Yeah, and it's okay. It's. I'm not yeah, telling you not what a, to do. I'm just telling you what I would do if I were you. <laughs> yeah, this is what I'd do if I was you. It doesn't matter if you're a guy or girl. I'm not trying yeah. to pick some girl up. It's truly, you're. You, this is so botched that you don't even know. But, uh, <laughs> this, this is some friendly, great advice. So what would be, what would surprise people the most to know about the world of bodybuilding? Well, I think a lot of these guys, um, have probably, I know that I, it sounds like a contradiction. Um, but I was merely kind of talking about when I was younger, um, or some of the guys that I competed with, certainly not all of them, but on the professional level, a lot of these guys have, um, some of them have some varied interests well outside of bodybuilding. Yeah. Some of them have some, some really interesting degrees um, that are, again, have very little to nothing to do with bodybuilding. Sure. Um, I think, you know, sometimes uh, getting into bodybuilding uh, doesn't seem like for me something to kind of like something to – put on like a suit of armor from some time in my life that I felt uh, maybe fragile or some time in my life that I felt vulnerable. But I do think that there is an element uh, of people that possibly do feel that way. Somebody once said, and I forget who it was, I think it was possibly Bob Paris said, every big bodybuilder you see is really just a little kid in a gorilla suit. <laughs> And, and I think there's some validity to that to, to some degree. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, but I, I've also known some really smart guys with varied interests. And sure. I think it's, it's just like anything else. I think a lot of people for a long time thought that bodybuilding was only made up of narcissists. And uh, I don't necessarily see that a lot. I, I, I don't want to berate anyone or any group of people or any age group of people. But I will say... With the advent of the internet, uh, I do see a lot of people that are setting up tripods in the gym and constantly putting new pictures of this of themselves in the same poses online every day. They don't really realize how overexposed they really actually are. Is that narcissism? Do you think? Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a psychiatrist or yeah. psychologist, so yeah. I, I I would be remiss if I was saying yes, it is without knowing these people in, uh, sure. personally, but I think that it might be worshiping at the altar of yourself a little bit. Yeah. And if that might be your personal definition of narcissism yeah. and so be it. But yeah. what I, what I think it is, is I see that in a lot of instances, I saw two girls at a, at a uh, dessert place one night downtown at Carmela's and they got a tuxedo cake and it was beautiful. And all they really did was take probably 25 photographs of acting like they were eating, going to chow into this, this cake or whatever. <laughs> and they never touched it. It oh, was wow. just all an act. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I know that <clears throat> I know that in the nineties and the two thousands, I would have never had my phone with me. I would have never had a camera with me when I trained, uh, you know, back then, uh, uh, am I allowed to say proper names and things? Yeah, you can say whatever you want. But but back back <laughs> then, you know, Trey's gym was the big gym back then. Yeah, 
we, we, he and I branched off and we, we had our own gyms for a while. Now we're kind of like uh, reunited again and, 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 and doing a, a little bit of the gym thing together now. Sure. And it's been really nice. Yeah. But his philosophy and my philosophy are very similar. Trey is about 10 years older than I am. Yeah. For anybody that doesn't know, he's the chairman of North and South Carolina. He was yeah, a Trey's very, a great very, guy. He's, uh, yeah, yeah he's, he was, yeah, he was a very accomplished bodybuilder of his own. Yeah. Uh, he's a professional judge, trains a lot of, uh, his wife was a professional, Shannon Metro. Right. And yeah. um, a lot of our, we'll sometimes talk about it together. So I'll just kind of speak for him, even though he's not here, but we really don't think that we would compete with the way things are now. It's just not something that really, uh, I, I think we all have maybe a little narcissism in our personalities, um, right. some more than others, but I, we, we certainly, I say we, the group of people that I came up with never felt the need to run around in, you know, uh, without our shirts on or, or anything like that. Uh, I think, you know, we always kind of stayed covered up with a big shirt or something. And now String it's just, tops there, with the big gold yeah, chain. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, we ne that was, there was never anything like that. Uh, never anything like that. You, you may look at yourself a week before the contest and then right. put your shirt back on, get a pump and check yourself out and put your shirt back on. But it's definitely, I think 10 minutes of looking at myself in the mirror, even in my best shape. And there was just something strange about honestly saying, Oh, I've had enough of that. My God. I just don't yeah. see how they do it every day. Yeah. These guys can like these guys now they can do it every day, all day. And I don't know. It, the call, the culture, as you were saying, was very different then. And uh, I just don't think I could ever get used to how it is now. But I hope everybody's, you know, getting something out of it and having fun. That's uh, that's all very interesting uh, perspective. It, it is definitely. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of stigma around, like, you know, touched on so many things I want to talk about, but there's a lot of stigma around like bodybuilders being like big lunks, big dumb lunks, right? Like even like the biggest gym in the world, Planet Fitness, probably the yeah. biggest like money gym in the world. I yeah, know, if I yeah. had to guess. Uh, yeah. You know, they even have like the lunk alarm, right? Where it's like, yeah, yeah. if you're dropping weights or acting like a bodybuilder in any kind of way, shape, or form, like the alarm goes off and they tell you to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that? It's kind of, What's all that well, about? It's, it's kind of funny. On one hand, <laughs> when you're talking about acceptance and not body shaming, right? On one hand, you have a gym that doesn't believe in body shaming unless you look a certain way, right. then you're body shaming, and of course. You have a culture that uh, I think talks about acceptance all the time, except for that culture. And I know what they're trying to get away from. It, it just, in my opinion, in this part of the country, I haven't seen a ton of that. Maybe in your small town, maybe a big fish in a small pond. I don't know. But I don't see a lot of that around here. I don't see a lot of that, say, in Charlotte. Yeah. Usually when you see the type of person you're talking about, they are either so really non-competitive that they're playing a role. They're mm -hmm. playing a role, but I can, I'm, I can almost assure you it's not a role of like a real competitor. I think that they're trying to play a role that they think this is what other guys are like, but from my experience and all the 33, 34 years I've done this and been around it, I have seen those types of people, but I have also realized that those types of people only in the rarest of circumstances, are they sadly very low IQ right. or, right. or seriously, or they are just posing as someone that they're really not. Sure. sure. Um, I would have to say that there are very, very singularly minded, singularly minded people in any sport, the higher you try to get. And I, you have heard some of the crazy stories. That's a story you turned me on to. What was it? Killer Sally. Yeah. I mean, right. I, right. I, I, I loosely, I loosely knew of these people sure. when I was, when I was uh, in my tw early twenties. Yeah. 
I, re- I remember the story when it aired. I remember seeing those people a couple of times uh, live in public. Um, and you're talking about he, the Netflix special called I'm Killer talking about the It Netflix. was about a bodybuilder couple that yes, she murdered yes. her husband. And it was about a bodybuilding yeah. couple called yeah. uh, Ray and Sally McNeil. And, yeah. and uh, of course, you know, these, these crazy things can happen. Uh, I think in, in almost any avenue of life. But the problem is with bodybuilding is so many people want to be that have this pipe dream of being the next Arnold. And what they don't really take into consideration with some critical thinking is this was a period of time. Let's, let's use Arnold Schwarzenegger or let's use just the action star of the eighties that we were talking about. Yeah. That is not the same action star that we see today. Sure. It's just, I don't know that that action star would be as popular today. We don't even not. see a, a lot totally of different we culture. Yeah. yeah, we don't even see a lot of Jason Statham's today anymore. <laughs> right. Or Wesley Snipes. I mean, that's an action star of the past, and they were kind of toned down versions of that. Sure. You know? Yeah. yeah so I think the last kind of action star that I guess I can think of that makes any type of impression on me is uh, Chris was Hemsworth for Thor. Yeah. And he's, yeah. you know, he got pretty, pretty beefed up in good he's shape huge. For, yeah. for that. But, yeah. but see, I wouldn't call him huge. Right. Uh, I would call him pretty beefed up um, for who he is. Yeah. And it creates a great illusion on screen that sure. he's, cause he's in such good shape. Right. Um, so. You know, I, who's I think, making a comeback. Who? Sylvester Stallone. Is he really? Yeah, he's, he's, he's got, amazing. He's got a great show that's on. Guy's uh, t- the guy's timeless. He's timeless guy. Dude, he he, is. Th- he just came out with this show. It's called Tulsa King. It's on yeah. uh, FX. I've heard it was. I've heard it was good. It's so good, man. Like he's such a freaking personality. He's got a. Yeah. He's like one of the like his personality's magnetic. You know. You know. I think that's a. I think he's a very very likable character, probably yes. on and off screen, and I think it translates through. It does. And that probably has a lot to do with why people like him so much. Yeah. Um. Because guys like him, and women still like him. Yeah. Usually, you don't have an action star. Right. I would say in Arnold's case, mostly just guys liked him. I don't right, see a right, ton right. of women, sure. even though Arnold was a. A love machine, supposedly. I don't see a lot of women fans of his. <laughs> right, um, right. I get but that. Stallone, men and women like him. Yeah, I think the same with maybe Chris Hemsworth. Men and women both like him. Yeah, and right. On. So that that's a that's probably a, a big plus, a big draw there that both both parties like him. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh, but as I was saying, people that want to be this next Arnold Schwarzenegger, there are people like that, and it's really a sad sad pursuit because a lot of times people will use that schematic of that's who inspired them and they want to be the next pro and they want to follow in his footsteps. And here's the problem. These guys don't get paid anything. And so what happens is the odd or subversive jobs one or the other partner has to do to support the one with promise is creepy. A lot of the times it's pretty right. creepy, you know, <laughs> yeah. whether it be, you know, wrestling or, you know, just, uh, it's just, just kind of creepy stuff. Um, but a lot of that goes on. I think some of it still goes on. Um, yeah, there's just, you know, there's a bit of an underbelly to all that. And it's, it's sad because many times, uh, a lot of people that are vying for these to break into pro sports, they don't feel they have a lot of time to work. Right. And they yeah. want to be able to nap as much as possible and to train as much and eat as much as possible. How hard is it to get to pro level bodybuilding? That's a great question. So when, again, when I was in my twenties and I was in my probably early to mid thirties, I think to get into what was just men's heavy men's men's bodybuilding uh yeah. at the pro level was right. was pretty damn hard because yeah, sure. you would rarely see a pro you might have a couple pros from your state but 
you know, you knew all of them because you had these publications that would come out, you know, once every month and you would see all the pros in there from time to time, whether it was Flex Magazine, Muscle Mag, Muscle and Fitness. And, and, and these, these companies would put their sponsored athletes or their non-sponsored athletes, they would cover, cover stories on them. And, um, they would, uh, they would run these stories on them. And that was when you got to see these exposés on these guys. Sure. Now, like I said, you might have a, a pro or two from your state, maybe California where they all lived. I remember going to, I remember going to Venice beach one time and I saw quite a few of them at the firehouse restaurant. I saw quite a few of them at the time I went to, uh, gold gym Venice. But now there are so many pros and there are so many different divisions of men's and women's physique type sports that are toned down versions from bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. There are so many pros, so many people that get their pro cards here. Chris, I wouldn't know who was a pro if I saw one. There are too many of them. It doesn't really hold the same awe-inspiring value that it used to. It's just I know so many. Let me let so, me point this out. I, I've been in the gym a lot around you, and you know we've worked out together a lot over some time. So I've witnessed you in the gym with people prepping for shows, mm-hmm. and my my take on it is that it's quite difficult. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's, I, you know the diet and the you know just the yeah. dedication to like being in the gym yeah. so long every day yeah. and you know, watching every single gram of food that you put into your body. Yeah, definitely. I, to the- I, I don't prefer, I do not prefer for anyone listening to this. I don't prefer to train people for contests. I, I would do it under maybe some special circumstances because the one thing you don't want to do is get five, six, seven weeks into something like this. If you make it that far, yeah. And, and, and I myself have to invest a lot of emotional energy into this. Whereas with my, what I would call my lifestyle clients, people that want to lose fat, people that, that want to tone up, want to firm up like yourself, wanted to put on some muscle, but not to the extreme that you're going to step on stage, not to that extreme. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the, the session being hard. I really enjoy it being concise and straight to the point. I, I enjoy giving people tips on their diets, especially when they follow them. Bodybuilding and putting an, an athlete on stage is such a different level because so much responsibility falls on your advice, but all the rest of the responsibility falls on an athlete who is totally sucking up that advice verbatim and doing exact, you have to know or you have to believe they're doing exactly what you tell them. Yeah. And to find that type of competitor is rare. Sure. You just put so somebody that, through it, didn't you? You just I, got a guy well, into they, seniors, they, they, right? They made it worth my while because they do exactly what I tell them. Tell and us about that could, experience. So how was that with well, that guy? Well, so, we could say his name, right? Gary, Gary wouldn't sure, mind. Sure. Yeah, yeah, he'd, 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 yeah. he'd, lo- he'd love it. Tell yeah. us what you did. You had Gary, who's a... So I met this guy yeah. through my former training partner. Yeah. And my former training partner, again, was another um, very, very uh, adept uh, middleweight bodybuilder. Right. Uh, and I, maybe sometimes light heavyweight. And he had uh, a manager where he worked and he had done some powerlifting in his more youthful days. Sure. And he was in his later 50s, turning 60 soon, and he right. had lost a lot of weight. And he wanted to compete. And I waited for this guy three different times to win, to no avail. He didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this this guy, is a bad start. <laughs> somewhere else. I don't have time for this garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Him, uh, yeah he, he might want to go to Planet Fitness or someplace. <laughs> um he eventually showed up and um, he wanted to tell me of his, his, his accolades and years prior. And I said, I don't mean to be rude, but when I train a competitor as opposed to a lifestyle client, uh, me as a trainer is different. I'm a lot more strict. I'm way, way more blunt. Uh, I, I'm not really relaxed anymore. I, it's time to really sure. excuse me, but cut the bullshit. Uh, and I don't really care what you did before. 
Um, if you want to tell me that you're concerned about injuries you had before, that's a great place to start. But I don't care how much you pressed, your mom pressed. I don't care anything about that. It's not important to me. Um, you can give me as much useful information as you feel you have, like maybe what you used to kind of like grow off of or heavy weights, lots of reps, whatever that may be. But other than that, I don't, I don't care about your past accolades. It's not important now. And um, that sounds blunt, even coming from the way that I say it, but I really just want to cut the shit and get down to business because this is a, this is a, a, a serious undertaking and one that I'm not that excited about getting involved in. And I found out that this guy wasn't really the same guy that missed coming to see me three times. He's one of the most dedicated guys I've ever met to which when I found that out, it makes me able and feel safe to invest more of my mental yeah. and emotional energy into it. Uh, it's, it, it supersedes what you're getting paid. It, it, it's, it's not just, really even about the money. At that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the money is a plus because I certainly wouldn't do it for nothing, but right. it, it, it's, if you're going to be drained, there's very, unless it's, millions of dollars there's not enough money to be able to drain you that much yeah, uh, yeah day in day out but this guy made it worth my while and he made it worth his while he didn't lie to me he didn't lie to himself he did everything he was supposed to do there were some misunderstandings we had in the beginning one of them was uh tito's vodka he didn't understand <laughs> that he could just have a little bit of that i said no more Tito's. There'll be no more Tito's ever. You're going to do this by yourself. No more, none. Do you know what I mean? Uh, no more Tito's. And for God's sake, I said, uh, turkey breast does not mean lunch meat turkey breast. Well, you didn't say. And I said, <laughs> well, we're going to have a spell it out day of, of well, I guess I'm going to have to spell everything out. And I did. He's a very literal guy. I respect that. I got to know a little bit more about him, but he is one of the most positive most, uh, <laughs> his work ethic is, is ridiculous, but that's what it takes. Yeah, it takes man. that. Yeah. It takes that, that you've almost like got some mental problems. You've got to have some mental issues. You, you really do. And I, and I say that kind of shooting from the hip. It's kind of funny to say it, but yeah. in another way, you've got to be obsessed a little bit. You have to. Now he came um, home with a medal, right? He came up with two medals. Two medals, right on. I mean, man. he stood up there with a 21-year-old, and no, he stood up man. there amongst his peers, and he won. That's awesome. Now, I have to say, this guy has lost well over, I think, 150 pounds. Wow. He was very heavy. He, he had a, uh, he had a uh, uh, dermoplasty done on his abdomen. Uh -huh. uh, it was really interesting because most people, when they get something like that done – it's also followed by liposuction. He needed none. He had no subcutaneous fat between the skin and uh, the abdominal wall. What he had was loose skin that at his age and at the level of heaviness that he carried for a prolonged period of time, the, the elasticity in that skin was shot. And so he had to get it removed, but he looks absolutely amazing. There'll be days I look at him and I'm like, damn you. You really, really have done a great job. You really have done a great yeah. job. And then, yeah. of course, you know, there'll be times he says, well, who's got two medals? You know, and I'm like, easy, <laughs> easy killer. You know, but yeah, he's a great guy. Right great on, guy. Man. Yeah. What do you think keeps people out of the gym, man? Like uh, what scares people about coming to the uh, gym? You know, like say well, you got uh, just Joe, Joe Schmo, you know, who's out of shape and, you know, maybe getting into their 40s, 50s. Uh, maybe yeah. a little heavy and they're thinking about going sure. to the gym. I think, you know, well, there's probably some intimidation, you know, people are intimidated. I think, I, I think, I think there is, but I don't think it's what you would think it was anymore. Yeah. So I think 10 years ago, it was what was possibly being advertised on planet fitness, these lunks. Right. But as I said, since the advent of more toned down type physique contests, such as, physique and men's classic bodybuilding. These are actually contestants that looked like a Steve Reeves or from a classic era of bodybuilding uh, contestants that don't look so maybe performance performance uh, enhancement drugged up or whatever. They, they actually have a very, some of them have very beautiful physiques. Sure. 
I don't think that's what it is, though. I think it's what you're talking about earlier. I think it's the culture. Yeah. And there are very few of these type gyms anymore that are uh, machine only centered really around how one, how one's form is carried. Sure. Uh, and they, they, they're, they're much, much, the trend now is function. Sure. Function. It's been the trend Functional for a little while. Fitness, you hear that all yeah, the it's time. not something yeah. that incredibly interests me. I think it definitely has a purpose. Right. But you have people that are calling themselves athletes now, although they don't play sports. Right. Or or or, or their sporting life is over. And maybe they want to just be think of themselves as a kind of like an athlete of life. They think they're athletes because they're, they're doing burpees at 5 a.m., right? Yeah, and I don't think that there's <laughs> anything wrong with that, and I'm not yeah. going to put that down. But no, 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 no. The, 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 the two are not in my – the two are not – that's just not in my repertoire. Right on. I don't look at that as the same thing. I think that our physicality as we get older – um, is something that we can carry on to much later in life. And I think one's athleticism is something that just look at pro athletes, uh, especially ones that are in any type of uh, reactionary sport, such as tennis or boxing. They're usually very young when they retire. And there's a yeah. reason for that. Yeah, yeah. Their athleticism wanes to the younger people that are coming up behind them. For sure. Well, a person's physicality can be, look at Stallone, pulled off well into their 70s if they eat right. If they train a little bit, yeah, you know, if they're really taking care of themselves, and, He's and with still the ad- huge, yeah, yeah, and with the, <laughs> with the advent, and you know, depending on what is it that you call fitness, right. is what you call fitness the same thing uh, uh, a Tour de France uh, cyclist calls fitness? <laughs> I would definitely call that fit, but then. There are people that swim in ice cold water that look very heavy and look like they have a lot of body fat. Right. Well, you know, that is that is the recommended body style for that type of fitness. Sure. Uh, you know, you ha- sometimes have these martial artists or boxers that are have very tiny, tiny little legs, tiny little bodies, but, you know, their heart can take them through 12 rounds of what a bigger person would be gassed right. in one round. Yeah, you're right. That is that type of – so it's very – it's very fit, personal, personal. It's very personal, very fit. It's got to be something that maybe makes you feel good. Um, that is also counter with living a little bit. I mean, right. who really wants to have their last meal on earth be dry turkey breast and rice? I don't. Yeah. But but there has to be a balance somewhere. Right. And uh, I've never met a person that didn't want to look good and didn't want to feel good. So if you're a person that says, "Oh, I don't really care how I look," you're a liar. Yeah, you're a, you're, you're a, you you definitely uh, don't live in this country, or you're lying. Um, most people want to look better. Most people want to feel better. Most people want to feel a little bit stronger. And with training for form or how one looks, how one could have a more aesthetic uh, physique. We'll definitely give you all those things. Will you be the burpee king of the world? I don't think so. <laughs> but I, again, you have to weigh out as we get older, what are the risks of this? I have seen a lot of people really get hurt in some of these classes, whether they break a bone, they fall off a box, they get the, the skin on their shin rolled up their leg down to the bone, sure. they, they tear a muscle. You know, there are there are yeah, gym injuries are uh, more there's, common there's, than people think. Yes, you've they had, really are. You've had some, I'm sure. I have had some, but I let me clarify. I have had some as a competitor. I have had none as a trainer with clients. Knock on wood, that can train any time. But as a vigilant trainer, I have had no serious injuries with clients. However, right yeah. I have seen some really nasty injuries in my old gym, Exemplar Fitness, that I had. In some of the high intensity classes, I have seen people, you know, pull things, hurt things, do some crazy yeah. things over there, and right. you just you just got to be really careful. Yeah, you right be really on. careful. Yeah, I'm gonna ask you a hard question. A lot of bodybuilders don't want to talk about this. What, what's the sure. deal with steroids in the gym? Is that real? Well, I think that they've been prevalent for a, a long time. I think yeah. that they started becoming somewhat. Uh, maybe societally known, maybe around uh, 
uh, you know, I was, I was a baby then, but maybe around the early seventies, maybe they really started becoming, people became a little bit aware about that. I remember when I was 17 or 18 years old, it became, I think a felony to, I think that there was like a, some type of steroid act of uh, 1987 or 1989. I I was 17 or 19 years old at the time. I remember when that happened. But I, I, I also think that. What do you think brought that on? Why, why that happened? I think that I think in the '80s there was a huge fitness craze. Yeah. Whether that I, I saw a huge trend, believe it or not, <laughs> in racquetball, running, jogging, yeah, and working out, and I think yeah. that was the advent of what was called the racket club in the United States. A <laughs> lot of towns had these racquetball clubs, right, and these things were prevalent in there with people of adult age to try, I think to try to attract the opposite sex. You're either a racquetball player, you were a <laughs> jogger during the eighties yeah. or you, yeah, I think bodybuilding was really big during the eighties. And I think it brought a lot of that stuff to light. I was still in my teens. I, yeah. I was pretty I can only, I, Yeah. I can only kind of speak from my admission to one of these racket clubs, but I saw it. I, right. I saw these grown-ups doing this stuff firsthand. It was uh, yeah. it was pretty crazy. Yeah, it was sure. pretty crazy. <laughs> but uh, definitely, definitely, steroids are a part of higher level competitive bodybuilding. I mean, um, in some of those dark, dirty gyms with the dripping pipes you're talking about, you walk in the bathroom. There's guys like injecting each other. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. I've never seen anything no. like that in my entire life. I, if, people, if people choose not to believe me, okay, that's fine. Okay. I know what I'm, that's why, I know what my that's why I'm asking the hard questions. Yeah, that, I, uh, you never know, like I've, let's let's screw the misconceptions. Let's get to the real deal. That's what. Yeah, I've never, I've never let a female bodybuilder put me in a headlock. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen that. Um, okay, okay. However, you know, we, we live in an era now where a lot of that's a little bit demystified with the advent of, you know, what they're now calling andropause and men's testosterone clinic. I think sure, for a very sure, long time, sure. I don't think it did. I don't think it did younger people any favors when the government declared that as illegal as they did, because I think what they did was they totally turned the mythos of these things up to the loudest decibel level yeah. by saying this is illegal because to younger people, they're like, oh my God, this much work must work like a charm. Yeah, I can just do this and I'll get exactly what I want to do and I'm going to get all these girls. And, sure. and I think that was one of the worst things that they could do. What um, do you think about this? the rise of these male clinics, these male testosterone clinics? You know, I mean, nowadays you can, you can literally walk into any clinic in pretty yeah. much any city and get like doctor prescribed gear, man. You know? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I, I, you can't get the designer levels that you used to be able to get, yeah. which were different variations. Right. Of, of the male hormone testosterone. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of American companies used to make these, yeah. what we'll call designer uh, uh, variations of that for, for, for various reasons. Some were more what they call androgenic or having more uh, maybe secondary sexual characteristics that make you stronger. Some had maybe a little bit more of an anabolic component, which maybe didn't make you hold as much water, made your muscles a little fuller. Maybe, maybe even at a leaner body weight made you look a little bit harder. Sometimes elicited a little bit of a harder look, but either way <clears throat> you can go get plain old testosterone. Uh, I think that they'd been doing it for, for women for, for quite some time. And yeah. I, I don't want to say, when they possibly started to prescribe hormones to women for menopause, but I think it's been a pretty long time now. Sure, yeah. and and I think probably somewhere in the pharmaceutical industry, <laughs> we know these people love to make money. Yeah. yeah, but they said, "Hey, we're missing out on a whole half of society here. Sure. We could be putting men on this stuff like we do women on this stuff. We can invent a name called andropause, <laughs> even though a man is supposedly fertile all of his life, right. where a woman." Right. After she goes through menopause, is no longer fertile, and we're we're missing we're missing some money here. Sure. And these things are ridiculously cheap to make and produce. And yeah. so, yeah, anybody who's now I think over the age of thirty five, look, there are a lot of things that people flush down the toilet that get must get on our water table. <laughs> a lot of additives and preservatives in our yeah. food. 
Um, a lot people of are things, bigger than they used to be, man. Just in well, general. but there's yeah. but what I was going to say was there's a lot of things that we ingest that I think. Well, I don't have a significant amount of data yeah. as in a lab. Uh, as in a physician in a lab would or a, or a scientist would. Right. But I've read a lot of reports where a lot of these things that get into our water table or are in our food under the, the names of additives and preservatives lessen men's testosterone level. Uh, so you may have a healthy looking guy at a good body weight who's 30 years old. Yeah. That I, for a male, possibly around at least 400, um, a score of 400 uh, would be. A starting point for a for a healthy guy to say I, I feel fine. Yeah, and I've seen guys come back with maybe a hundred. I believe it's nanograms per deciliter. I believe yeah, right. um, is how it's measured on a, on what's called a mass spectrometer. Right. Um, I believe I'm right. So if I'm not, and you're in a medical field, yeah, and we're not giving me. any medical advice. Yeah, we're just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not giving any medical advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're merely yeah. saying we're merely giving you the technical advice yeah, of how yeah, that's yeah. measured. Right. So it's not to sound like a complete idiot, but. Uh, one of yeah, the local uh, clinics around here that uh, hear on the radio all the time, it's like their whole advertising shtick to, to men. It's like a men's clinic, and it's like, don't be a beta male. Get your testosterone. Yeah, don't yeah. be a beta, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, beta males are, you know, the the, the male that doesn't uh, doesn't have the, uh, pick of the pick of the litter uh, or the <laughs> pick of the pack of females or whatever. Uh, I hope that no females listening to me are going to think that I've spoken out of turn. No, no, no. I'm not even I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just saying, like, I mean, they're they're selling, you know, they're like they're selling that whole like culture. Yeah, I mean, know? these guys are the guys that eat soy, and they're they're they're, they're not concerned with uh, mating or whatever. And you know, the alpha hey, male needs like, to pick I his like, testosterone I like, back. I like a little tofu not, here. Exactly, like, no. you like a little attention, and um, <laughs> yeah, so. You know, uh, they, 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 they cater to a, to look, I know guys that go there that I wouldn't have ever thought would be there right. in my craziest dreams. It's almost comical and nice. you know, good for them. Yeah. I think that, I think that basically we're just living in an era where men did used to do our fathers did very little for themselves. Sure. Nothing. <laughs> and maybe our mothers did a little bit more. Right. Definitely, I think we've been married to people that have done a lot more, whether that be manicures, pedicures, yeah. plastic surgery. Now men are just starting to do a little more for themselves and they have a little more awareness about some of these yeah. things. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Nobody wants to lose their their essence, whether you're a, a woman, you're a man, or whatever it is you think you are. Nobody wants to lose that essence. And um, I think that these are places that can – Help a person as possibly they age to to kind of hook back into having some more years of of uh, maybe living a little higher quality life if you use as directed and live a healthier lifestyle. Yeah, you work in a gym. You work your day your day to day you day to day work in a gym. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've, I've owned like a few gyms. And, a gym? And, you, you, yeah, yeah, and what's yeah, that like for the, you? You know. I, I, you know, I really love it. I, I, yeah. I've owned a couple of gyms and, uh, yeah. I, from doing that to kind of being what I would call a quiet investor yeah. or, um, just a very subdued investor and in what I'm doing now, yeah. uh, I come and go as I please. I don't have any pressure. Nice. Um, I see, I see my clients. I'm very fortunate that I, I really, really love everybody that I see. Yeah. There's not one person I dread seeing. It's I'm really at a good place in my life. And uh, um, I enjoyed my days of owning a gym, but looking back on it, that place really owned me. It's the, the gym business is a competitive one. And I loved doing, I loved what I became known for sure. in the boutique gym world. I yeah. opened up the first boutique gym in Charleston, Exemplar yeah. Fitness. And yeah. Yeah. it was really known for its its neatness and its cleanliness and its friendliness and yeah. uh, great equipment. And it was, a, it was a great like neighborhood gym. Is there something and, to uh, that, like having a gym with like real specialized equipment? Yeah, I think a lot of those gyms are on the decline now. Yeah, and it's I hard to find. Yeah, yeah. You have a lot of people that walk into a gym and there's nothing wrong with these types of equipment I'm going to describe, but there are basically 
two types of equipment, two brands of equipment that seem to have uh, kind of made it through the storm of uh, uh, the gym equipment battles. And that would probably be like something like a life fitness and hammer strength combo or Cybex. And so you have a lot of gyms that have these things. So if you see a gym, it's in some ways, it's just a replica of itself. Now, if you can procure equipment made from before these companies really took over, there was some equipment out there that never needed to be repaired. It was like the Bentley or the Rolls Royce of equipment. There's some and cool gyms out there with there's with some cool. There. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for a long time, I know myself, I know Trey Bennett, we have tried to procure yeah. uh, this gym equipment that's, you know, you don't see some it anywhere best, else. Yeah. Some of the best of the best of the best <laughs> yeah. uh, physique people have trained on. It's yeah. just, it's incredible stuff. Yeah. Whether that has a smooth glide, a great feel, it was made with like superior products and superior materials. Um, yeah, we're both very fortunate to, to, to own pieces like that. At Trades Gym, you got a wall where like all the pros have signed their names and it's yeah, pretty yeah, full, yeah. right? I mean, there's a lot of names yeah. on that wall. Yeah, well, yeah. like I said, you know, Trey's, Trey's a pro judge and uh, yeah. Um, he's, he's had a, a lot of involvement now in the IFBB and, and, uh, so he's really kind of gone pretty far in his direction. I think Trey, um, I think Trey still kind of has a, a gym, but I don't know that he, I don't know that he still enjoys it as much as I do. Okay. And, um, I think he'd probably tell you that, yeah. um, he is more in the, on the long lines of looking at pro athletes, judging pro athletes. Nice. Um, I really still enjoy seeing day-to-day clients that's yeah. really my thing well everybody's really got their thing. thing that they're into yeah i enjoy yeah. that the most the only other place i've been to where i've seen like a gym with equipment like the gym that you guys have is uh out in vegas like a powerhouse you know and, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah there are there, there are some neat places with a lot of great equipment left but that you usually find them out west or sometimes in chicago sometimes maybe in new york there are people that kind of favor these types of things and yeah. um People that have them don't normally get get rid of them unless the real estate that they're either renting or we're in just becomes too expensive anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 hard to make it in the gym world sometimes. It really is very competitive, and there's always a new kid on the block. Just when you think you have the biggest and the best, <laughs> there are those people that yeah. are going to kind of acquiesce to to uh, a new place or defer to a new place sure. and and. Uh, it's just the way of the way it is. Yeah. Uh, what do you say to a guy who's a uh, gal who's thinking about getting into the bodybuilding world or fitness world now, somebody young or, mm. or even somebody who's like older that's thinking about like changing their I lifestyle I, I, and getting into fitness? Uh, well, I think I would say something different to the older people than I would to the younger people. Yeah, the hear. older people, most of them have, have lived a certain way mm-hmm. and it's uh, on their bucket list. Right. So that would be a very different approach I would have to them. There's not much advice I could give them as to they're more, they have less years left than the years that they do have in front of them. Yeah. So to a younger person, I would approach it like this. How do you plan to stop? Hmm. How do you plan to stop? Because you haven't started yet, but to get off that merry-go-round is if you get on it, and you like it, ooh, that's a hard merry-go-round to get off of. Sure. Because a lot of yourself is wrapped up in that identity because of your time investment. You're talking about the obsession, that obsession, right? Yeah. I'm talking about, we can call it an obsession, but it's just the level of of being all in that you have to have. It's a 24-7. It's probably denying yourself birthday cake. (laughs) Uh, depending on the time of year, it's probably denying yourself, you know, <laughs> certain certain family dinners, certain cookouts, certain kids' birthdays, that slice of cake, that slice of pie, depending on the time of the year, um, you know, an occasional drink, if that's your thing. Uh, it, there's a lot of denial that goes along with it. And to, to a younger person, I would say, what's your exit strategy? And what do you hope to accomplish? Every now and then, as a seasoned trainer, you will see somebody that has an incredible genetic structure 
without really trying or they're working out their form sucks. Their approach probably sucks, but they have just some incredible genetic potential. Yeah. We all know those guy or girl. Sure. Sure. How do you look that good? (laughs) It's not even, even with the amount of people that are involved in it. Now I, I don't see it as often because I feel like my eye is so discerning (laughs) that even amongst competitors, I've really got to have my head turned to say, whoa, sure. that person has got extremely incredible genetics. Yeah. To that person, I would say something very different than to an average person that wants to put so much of themselves into it. I would say, I realize it's something you want to do. I've been there to the younger person, but I think you need to give yourself a three-year plan or a five-year plan and that's it. Yeah. To the older person, I would say this is what it's going to require. So however you've been living your life up to this point, you're not going to Tito it anymore. Mm. You're not going to do this anymore. Mm. I don't know what you and your wife do to socialize, but your partner's got to be on board with you for this. It is a massive undertaking of time and it's very selfish and it's very self-consumed. But you know, this fellow Gary that I, that I train, his wife is on board with him and you know, it really gave him a whole new lease on life. I think he's more productive at work. I yeah. think he he feels better about himself. I used to train um, the federal judges downtown. I put a I was I was part of putting a gym in the federal courthouse nice. in my thirties, and I will never forget something very interesting that one of the judges said to me. He said, "You know, I really need to start working out because I feel very frail." And trust me, when you're putting a person away for a long time. Even though you're the judge, it helps to feel competent, physically competent. I never would even consider that because the guy's got the gavel, what he says goes. And there's definitely a a mental aspect that goes along with that. I I never would have considered, but that was fascinating to me. Yeah, right on. Jason, man, we're kind of at the top of the hour, man. This has been a very interesting conversation about. Yeah, it's uh, been fun. Gym life, gym culture, bodybuilding, oh, yeah. bodybuilding culture. Is there anything that I didn't ask you or that you would like to say about yourself? Well, you didn't ask life? me about like little people, yeah. you know, midget, midget wrestling. I don't know if you're allowed to say midget. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm going to do um, a whole show on midget wrestling, man. <laughs> this is subcultures, man. I'm, there's people into everything. I think, I think, I think with, if any young people listen to this podcast, I think, yeah, or really anybody, some of my best memories have been in the gym. Some of my dear friends have been made in the gym. Some of my best hours have been at the gym, yeah. but also as I was younger, some of my most time wasted in it has been in the gym sure, as well. Sure. <laughs> so if you're going to do this, go with a plan, get a yeah, plan. Yeah. Don't waste all your time in there. Don't be singularly dimensional. Um, try to branch out, read a lot, be, 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 be interested in a lot of things, start to become an interesting human being. Let this be one of your physical endeavors. And if you really, really, really think that you have what it takes to compete, and that's just something that you're not going to stop until you get your hands on it, I understand where you're coming from. Just do me a favor and get with somebody who cares about you, cares about your health, you believe has your best interest at heart, and really, really looks after you. And um, you have uh, maybe a physician looking after you. Um, there's a lot of things that need to be looked after. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, Give yourself a timeline. You don't want to be point, man, to tell people like, you know, before you go jumping into anything crazy, you got to go see your doctor and take care of your health, you know, follow doctor's advice. I don't hear a lot of people talking about this and, and I really think that they should, but you know, there's a lot more to life than competing in bodybuilding. But with saying that I'm saying that at the end of a career that I really loved. So if you're a young person, I can't fault you for wanting to do that. I was that person before. Just be smart. Uh, Don't be foolish. My God, don't get your advice from somebody on the other end of a chat board in a chat room. You (laughs) don't know what psycho you're talking to. Sure. You know, be be a a responsible human being. Use your brains. (laughs) Yeah, use your brains. 
Right. If you don't have any, find someone that does. Thank you uh, very much, Jason, for your time and for your uh, very insightful view into that world. Uh, If somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how would they go? What would be the best way for them to do that? Uh, I would, I would call me. um, I would, I would just call me at 843-864-9140. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Okay. Somebody's interested in uh, getting a trainer or wants to talk to you about training. They can always call you. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Chris. I love your podcast. I wish you the best of luck. Thank and you, brother. I really, I think you have a killer platform. I love subcultures. It's fantastic. Right on. More to come. I'd like to thank Jason Feudum for coming on and talking about the gym subculture. If you like this show, subcultures, I'm going to be doing a whole bunch more. Uh, stay tuned, and I will be uh, putting up new episodes regularly. You can catch me on Twitter at Harper underscore underscore Chris or at Chris underscore Harper underscore on Instagram. And I look forward to seeing you guys every week out here talking about subcultures.